Well, uh, today, I, uh, having you know, ended the, the series that we had been in for over a year, a couple of weeks ago, uh, just kind of uh, was seeking, you know, what, what maybe God would have us share today. And so this is what I feel like he laid on my heart. And so I want us to consider what it means to belong, what it means to belong. What does it mean to belong to the church, Me- meaning just the universal church? And what does it mean to belong to a local church? You know, there are uh, distinct characteristics of any local church. And uh, so, you know, churches look different from each other because they have some distinctives uh, about them. Uh, But there are a few characteristics that should define belonging uh, to any church. Um, Well, they do define belonging to any church. Um, and if they don't, they should. Let me say it that way. They, they define belonging to a local church, and if they don't, uh, they, sh- they should. Um, so all churches have distinctives. For example, we here at Vineyard Christian Church, one of our distinctives is that if you're really going to be a part of this church, you make a commitment to seven specific things. We call it the seven commitments of membership. I would like you to, to stand now if you can recite all seven member, uh, commitments of members. That's what I thought. All right. Uh, so here are the things that people commit to as part of this church. They commit to affirming our statement of faith. Uh, they commit to uh, following the leadership of the pastors and elders of the church. They commit to staying in touch with Jesus. Uh, they commit to being a minister. So we here at the Vineyard understand that all Christians are to be ministers, and, and so they commit to serve. Uh, they commit to attend Sunday services, and they commit to being a part of a small group. They commit to regular financial giving. And finally, they commit to being held accountable for living a life that honors God, uh, a life that is consistent with uh, their professed uh, following of Jesus. And, and all churches have something like this, some specific definition of what it means to belong to that church. But today what I want to do is step back and take a broader view uh, of what it means to belong uh, to a church. Again, at least what it should mean to belong to any community of believers. So whether this is your church home, you consider this your church, or whether you're visiting us from somewhere else, These things that we're going to highlight today should define belonging to a church. These things should be understood by the leadership of a church of being a key components of of body life. And these things should be understood by the members of the church, uh, that these are things that that, um, we are to be committed to, that these are what it means to belong. If you're following along in your outline, I don't know how many of you do that, but you can just disregard the first point of the outline. Uh, it became very unruly and confusing, and so I just cut it. So, But starting at the second point, what it means to belong to a church, uh, the outline is correct from that uh, point forward. So for a few minutes, we're going to look at Acts 2, uh, verses 42 through 47, and we're going to find some of these key characteristics of belonging, and I've simply titled the message, What It Means to Belong. Don't you love how creative I am with sermon titles? Um, So, all right. Here's what Acts 2, 42 through 47 says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, 
to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and and, and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So the, the context for this reading is that the Apostle Peter had just preached this amazing sermon on the day of Pentecost where he had proclaimed the crucified and resurrected Christ. He had proclaimed him to be both Lord and Christ, the the Messiah, the the Savior, the Anointed One of God. And and after having heard him, 3,000 people in a single day committed their lives to Jesus Christ and became a part of that early Christian church. So, so what we're seeing here are the earliest stages of development of the Christian church. And, and these verses tell us of some identifying markers of those who came to faith in Christ and what it looked like to belong to this community of people who believed in Jesus. And these are things um, that, that it still means to belong to the church and what it should still mean to belong to any local church. And so I want to draw our attention, first of all, to the fact that the uh, Acts 2 says that they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. To belong is to be devoted. Here's what devoted means. To set apart or dedicate by a solemn or formal act to consecrate. A devoted person is one who is zealous or ardent in their attachment, loyalty, and affection. So they had come to faith in Christ. They had come into the church, and they were devoted. No half-hearted commitment, but instead it was zealous, ardent attachment. Loyalty, great affection, a solemn commitment to Christ and to his church. The fact that the scriptures tell us that they were devoted lets us know that belonging to a church, belonging to the community of believers is not a casual thing. It is a solemn commitment. It is something that is to be taken very seriously. So to belong is to be devoted. And then we learn that it is to be devoted to some very specific things. First of all, the text tells us that it is to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. That they were devoted to the apostles' teaching lets us know that they were devoted to learning. It lets us know that they were uh, devoted to growth and that they were devoted to the pursuit of spiritual maturity. Now, you may have noticed that spiritual maturity is is a bit of an elusive thing to pursue. Uh, None of us quite arrive at spiritually mature. Have any of you arrived at spiritually mature? I'm I'm just just wondering. Anybody? 
No, it's, it's elusive. We, we pursue spiritual maturity. And so this new thing that had happened in all of them, this new life that they had found through the preaching of Christ crucified and resurrected, they were not satisfied with stopping at having heard Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. They were not satisfied with having heard the message that they were able to be saved through faith in Christ. They were committed to an ongoing effort of learning about God and Christ. They were committed to growing in their faith. They were committed to the pursuit of spiritual maturity. Hebrews 6, 1 and 2 uh, encourages, encourages us this way, Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instructions about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, that passage obviously deserves its own sermon, but the simple thought that I want us to embrace this morning is that they were, and we are to be, uh, devoted to pursuing spiritual maturity. We, We are not to be satisfied with forever being baby Christians. We are to give ourselves. We are to commit ourselves to the pursuit of maturity in Christ. And what is one of the key ways that this maturity is pursued? The answer is given to us through teaching. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And we are devoted to the apostles' teaching as we teach. And all Bible-believing churches teach the apostles' teaching as we have it in the Word of God, the Bible. Now, if we are committed, if we are devoted to learning, to growth, to spiritual maturity, and if a key way we commit to those things is by being devoted to the apostles' teaching, then it is vitally important that we are consistently receiving the apostles' teaching. It's very important. In the context of Vineyard Christian Church, how, where does this teaching occur? It occurs in our Sunday services, what we're doing here this morning, and it occurs in our connect groups. It occurs in other ways as well. It occurs in our Walking with Jesus classes uh, and, and different things that happen from time to time. But, but Basically, the, the, the main ways that this happens is through our Sunday services and through our connect groups, depending on the emphasis of the group, of course. Not all are teaching groups, but, but some are. Now, in virtually every local church, this is going to be true. Teaching is going to happen in Sunday services and either in small groups or some churches have a midweek service or some churches have adult Sunday school classes. Um, So some variation, some combination of those things is happening in virtually every Christian church that you will ever visit or ever be part of. And so if we're going to be committed to growth, to maturity, the leadership of any church, including the leadership of this church, has to make sure that teaching is provided And then the members of the church have to make sure that they are prioritizing receiving the teaching. Sunday and small groups. If you're serious about 
growing in your faith. If you are serious about pursuing spiritual maturity, you have to be committed to Sunday services and small groups. We call them connect groups. What is the motive for this? What, what, what is the motive for having these uh, opportunities available? Why make these things commitments that's expected of every member of the church? It is because if we are to be serious about our faith, if we are to be serious about being the people that God created us to be, we need to be regularly receiving the Word of God within the context of Christian community. This is why we do this. This is why it is so important. So to belong is to be devoted. To belong is to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. And we also learn that it is to be devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted not just to having a me and Jesus approach to Christianity. They were devoted to the fellowship of believers. They were devoted to the community of faith. Friends, Christianity is meant to be done in the context of community. It really is. People will sometimes ask, where does the Bible say I have to be involved with other Christians? Hopefully you've never asked that, but people ask, so maybe you have. Here's the better question. Where doesn't the Bible say you should be involved with other Christians? All of the images in the Bible of the church, by definition, require involvement with God's people. Require involvement with other believers. In in the New Testament, the images of the church are always things like a family. It's one of the images. A body. Is another image. These all require interaction between family members, between body parts. So to be a part of Christ is to be a part of the Christian community, and it involves interaction with other Christians. You know, there are probably more, but there are at least 49 what I call one another's in the New Testament. Things like this. Love one another. John thirteen thirty four, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Romans 12, 10. Accept one another. Romans 15, 7. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Romans 16, 16. That one was a cultural thing, so we'll let that go. <laughs> Serve one another. Is that all right, Stan, if we count that one as cultural? All right. <laughs> Stan hopes so. Uh, serve one another in love, Galatians 5.13. Forgive one another, Colossians 3.13. Encourage one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds, Hebrews 10.24. Offer hospitality to one another, 1 Peter 4.9. Have fellowship with one another. 1 John 1, 7, love one another. 1 John 4, 12. And these are just a few examples of the one another's. And here is the point of all of these verses. And the point is that Christianity is a one another faith. 
You are not living Christianity the way that it is meant to be lived. You are not living a brand of Christianity that the Bible is familiar with if you are living a me and Jesus faith. It is supposed to be lived with one another. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more As you see the day approaching, let us not give up meeting together. At VCC, we meet in a variety of ways, but there are two primary ways. We meet together on Sunday mornings in in these worship services, and we meet together in our connect groups. Notice that Hebrews links our meeting together with encouraging one another. Why do we need to be together? We need to be together for encouragement. We, we need to be together. We need to be there for each other when things are difficult. We are called to minister to one another. Now let me just, you know, be honest. And as I talk here, remember that last Sunday I expressed all of my thanks for you. Okay? So keep that in mind. Last Sunday was thanks. This Sunday is challenge. Okay? So uh, set you up. And then deliver the punch. Okay. Uh, Just joking. Sort of. Um, Let me just be honest and say that one of the most significant concerns I have as pastor of this church is that people consider themselves committed if they attend 25 to 30% of our Sunday services and never go to a small group. I know this. I have the conversations. And I, and I see. I, I see the people who say they're committed, but we only see, you know, a third of the time. And that's not how it should be. I say it lovingly, but I, I need to say it. It's not how it should be. Why should it not be like that? Because you aren't really devoted to teaching the way that you should be. If you're not taking advantage of more teaching opportunities than that. It shouldn't be this way because in my view, and I believe it is the Bible's view, people cannot be seriously committed to learning growth and spiritual maturity if they are taking the assembling of themselves together with other Christians that casually. It's not how it should be because it means that you are missing out on the encouragement that comes not only from hearing the word of God, but from the ministry of, uh, of other brothers and sisters in Christ. Friends, when you do not take advantage of all the benefits of the community of believers, keep in mind this is God's idea. Uh, Now, I will never pretend that it's God's idea to do things exactly the way we do them in 2012. But the community of believers coming together, this is God's idea. And when you do not take advantage of it, it is a recipe for discouragement, for isolation, for frustration, and frankly, it is a discouragement for sin. Or a, a, um, I said that wrong. It, it, it is a recipe for sin. 
And so it shouldn't be this way. It is self-defeating behavior. Self-defeating behavior. Because you need the Word of God. And you need the ministry of other Christians. Not to mention that the other Christians need you to minister to them. Now, I know a lot of people who come to a church and sit in a service think that it's basically about a few people who, who lead worship and then another guy who gets up and preaches. But that's not true. There is ministry going on throughout this building from the moment it is opened until the doors are closed in so many ways that are never seen. Someone pulling someone off in the corner and praying for them because they were prompted to do so by the Holy Spirit. Someone uh, pulling a friend off to the side and saying, you know, I really need to talk for a few minutes. I'm struggling and and I just thought you might be able to, to hear me out. There are all kinds of ministry opportunities that are going on here. And, and so one of the tragedies of you not being here, if, if you are one of those people who are not really uh, belonging in the way that is defined in Scripture, is not only are you missing out on what you need, but you are depriving others of what they need from you. What you can give. Why does the Bible say to do Christianity with one another. Because God knows that in order for us to become the people we are meant to be, we need other Christians in our lives. He knows you won't become who he wants you to be by trying to practice a me and Jesus brand of Christianity. It is for our good that the Bible encourages us toward intentionally coming together in the name of Christ. And it is for your good. It is for our good that any church and its leadership, this one included, says, friends, 30% participation is not good. It's not good for you. It is not the way that God intended or designed the church, the church to work. So to belong is to be devoted. It is to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. It is to be devoted to the fellowship. And then it is to be devoted to the breaking of bread. Have you noticed that there is a lot of eating that goes on in churches? <laughs> have, you, have you noticed this? I mean, probably the greatest temptation churches face as a collective group is the temptation toward gluttony because there is just seemingly incessant uh, eating that happens in the church. But there is a biblical basis for the prominence of food in Christian fellowship. And I think there's a case to be made that there's a biblical basis for the prominence of good food in Christian fellowship. <laughs> Breaking of bread speaks to closeness among fellow Christians. Sharing a meal together, I think I can say it every, in every, at least virtually every culture, is a sign of friendship. It's an expression of closeness. You need some close relationships. Now let me tell you some of the best ways to avail yourself, make yourself available for close friendships to happen. Consistent, regular attendance at Sunday services. Even more than that, 
participation in small groups. These are some of the best things that you can do to position yourself for the development of some close relationships. To, to find people who, who you can get close enough to that they really know you. They know your family. This needs to happen for every person that considers themselves to belong to this church. Now, there are no guarantees. You know, close friendships and how they develop is a bit of a mysterious thing. You know, we can't, we can't just randomly uh, pair you up and say, okay, be close friends. <laughs> Although, maybe we should try that. <laughs> no, it doesn't work that way. It's, there's mystery involved to how close friendships uh, develop. But consistency in the fellowship opportunities, the, the meeting together opportunities that, that exist within a church, consistency to that creates an atmosphere where close relationships can uh, form. And so, listen, I know that there are probably some of you here today who are struggling to find close friendships uh, within the church. And so I'd just like to suggest a few things for you. First of all, if you are struggling to develop friendships in the church, I encourage you, don't ever miss a Sunday if you can help it at all. Just don't miss a Sunday. The, the more opportunities that you are here and, and people bump into you, the greater your opportunity to begin to see some friendships form. More importantly than that, even get involved in a small group. We say this all the time. Small groups are where you can really get to know people, where you can go beyond the, hey, wasn't the weather nice today? Hey, didn't those Buckeyes look great yesterday? You, you can go beyond that stuff. Here's another one. Join a ministry team. What I find is that some of the closest friendships that I observe and that I'm part of here in the church are among those people who are serving together. And so if you're struggling to, to make friendships, struggling to get to know people, join a ministry team. Begin to serve with some people. Here's one. Invite someone to lunch or dinner. After church on a Sunday is a great time to do this. Invite someone to food with you. A restaurant is an easy option if you want to make it easy on everybody. Or invite someone to your home. And here's a very important thing. Do not wait for the other person to initiate. Don't do that. Even to those of you who are fairly new to the church, I would encourage you, take the initiative. That person that you kind of think you might want to connect with, but you kind of perceive that they've been here forever, and so maybe, well, maybe they should reach out to me. Well, they might have only been here two weeks longer than you've been here. So reach out. Take the initiative. To belong is to be devoted to the breaking of bread. And I believe that this warrants for all of us a, a willingness to be devoted to intentionally working to develop some close friendships. We can all love and care for each other. And we are to love and care for every single member of our body. What we cannot do is we cannot all be close friends. It, it, it just doesn't work. You can't be close friends with 240 people. But we need 
some close friendships. And so be intentional about cultivating some close friendships. This is what it means to belong. So to belong is to be devoted. It's to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread. And to belong is to be devoted to prayer. Prayer has to be a priority in the life of every Christian. We have to prioritize praying individually, and we have to prioritize praying corporately, praying uh, with one another. We must prioritize praying for each other. And here's an important one. We have to prioritize praying with each other. Ephesians 6.18 encourages us this way. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And then James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. To belong is to be devoted to prayer, to receiving prayer, and to praying for others. Now, those opportunities are available once again, both in our Sunday services and in our small groups. So to be who God wants you to be, you need... Uh, people praying for you. And for your brothers and sisters to be who God wants them to be, they need you praying for them. Of course, you can pray for them in your daily devotions, but we also need to be praying directly for one another in the presence of one another. So to belong is to be committed to praying for and with your brothers and sisters in Christ. And here's the final thing that I want to draw out of our text today. And that that is, that is that to belong is to be committed, to be devoted to the common good. To the common good. Look at verse 44. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Now this verse has unfortunately, often been misunderstood. It does not establish a biblical basis for communism or socialism, as some have suggested. What we see at work here in Acts 2 was entirely voluntary, not compulsory. It was voluntary. And that distinguishes it from both communism and socialism. Now, it goes way beyond today's talk to say any more about that. But if you've ever heard this verse used to support those systems that have been hugely detrimental to human well-being, you have had a scripture misused. You've heard it misused. That being said, what these verses show us very clearly is that they were very concerned... And they were highly committed to meeting one another's needs. And that did not mean just one another's spiritual needs. It included one another's material needs. So they were highly committed to the common good that everyone in their midst would have their needs met. Now, applying this in our time and place is very challenging. I mean, just be honest about this. Uh, I think our church does a very good job of being open-handed with people in need, both in our 
own uh, church community and in the larger community. But it is very challenging because their economic and social situation was so much different than our own. And so we have to be very careful about how dogmatic we are about this and trying to apply it. You know, in a culture where even the poorest among us often have a car, a house, a smartphone, and conveniences that people of that time could not even have dreamed of, could not have imagined in their wildest dreams. It is sometimes challenging. In fact, I would say it's pretty much always challenging to to know exactly how to walk this out. But what is beyond question is that among Christians, there should be a real concern for meeting one another's needs to the extent that we are able to do so. So whether this is from something like our Acts 434 fund, and if you're fairly new to the church and don't know what that is, it's on the back of your bulletin and explains to you what that is, but it's a special fund that we have here at the church for members of our church family who find themselves in financial difficulty. And it is a way that the church is provided to try to meet some of the financial needs that uh, that exist within our own community. Uh, we also have, as part of our uh, budget, money set aside to help those in the community that uh, call in and are in need. So it might be through this, uh, or it might be through something as simple as brothers and sisters individually helping one another out as they become aware of needs. This is how the body functions. You know, not... not and we don't have a problem with this, so don't hear this as some kind of corrective thing, but, but everything doesn't have to funnel through Shua in the church office to get a need met. You, you know, Christians, members of the body of Christ, can simply hear of a need and step up to meet a need. And, and so this is a way uh, that this works. We are to be committed to the common good. We're to be committed to each other's well-being. We are uh, committed to meeting the needs of our brothers and sisters in Christ as long as needs are properly understood. We, we have a clear idea of what a need is. So look for opportunities to meet the needs of your brothers and sisters. This week we had an example of this play out in our church. Um, a household in our congregation had a, a um, repair need in their home. And, uh, and they were unable to, to uh, cover this need. And so one of our members, uh, Walt Mapes, uh, stepped up and met that need for this household. And that is how this works. We, we meet one another's needs. So look for those opportunities. Uh, Walt was an example this week of how we are to be committed to the common good. So it seems to me that we here at VCC have a fairly high percentage of people that I would describe as connecting with the church, but who have not yet moved into belonging. Now, please hear me very clearly over these next few moments. I want you to understand this. There is a time when it is completely appropriate to be connecting without committing to belonging. Okay, do not hear me say anything different than that. There is a time when that is completely appropriate. Uh, I'm actually an advocate for people making uh, well-researched and prayerfully considered decisions about what church they become a part of. It should not be a hurried decision. 
And, and so if you are really in that process of kind of checking out this church, maybe checking out some other churches, don't, don't hear anything different from me than I respect that. I think that is right and that is needed and, and you are doing what you should. But let me also say this. At some point, there comes a point when we need to move from connecting to belonging. And affectionately, some of you are probably at that point where you, you, you need to transition from just, hey, I'm kind of checking things out, I'm, I'm connecting, and you need to say, no, I, this is where I belong. And I would appeal to you today to consider moving in that, that direction. Be devoted. Be devoted to teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to, to prayer, and to the common good. And you should do this for at least three reasons. One, it's going to be beneficial to your spiritual growth. Two, it is pleasing to God. And three, you have things to offer that are needed within this body of believers. You really do. And I'm not suggesting you can't minister while you're connecting, but, but, but I'm suggesting that there is something that happens when you make a commitment to anything. There is, there is a, a dynamic that exists that, that opens up the door uh, to your ministry and increased effectiveness in your ministry. Now, I want to ask everyone here today, no matter how long you have been here, no matter how committed you consider yourself to be, I'd like you to think about all that I've shared today. All that I've shared about what it means to belong. And honestly evaluate if you're committed to belonging. To belong is to be devoted. So ask, am I devoted? Am I devoted? To belong is to be devoted to receiving teaching. Ask, can my participation in those times when teaching is available really be characterized as devoted? To belong is to be devoted to the fellowship. Ask, am I really devoted to the life of the community or am I still practicing a me and Jesus brand of Christianity? Am I only, am I only participating when it is completely convenient? Like there's no football games on, um, I've watched every rerun that I was had on my list of necessary reruns to watch this week. The house is clean. Um, the cars are clean. Everything is done. And for the first time in like three months, I'm bored. Yeah, I'll go to church. I thought that would be funny, but I guess I've, uh, <laughs> I guess I've led us to too somber of a place for that to have been funny. Uh, but, but, Ask yourself the question, is my participation in those times when teaching is available, is my commitment to the life of the community, are these things really, when I look at them in my life, can I honestly say that I'm devoted? Do this with each of the things that have been identified here today as defining belonging, because I, I say this lovingly, I say this out of concern for you. If you are saying that you belong, but your belonging is defined differently than these things, then with all affection, you are defining belonging in a much different way than what is defined in Scripture. You really are. And here's the thing, friends. 
This is to your detriment, not to your advantage. It may feel as though it's to your advantage to to maintain control and only do things when you want to do them. That's not the way the Christian life was set up, and so it's really to your detriment. I commend you guys. I've just realized lately I... I just preach and preach, and you you sit there and receive it. God bless you. I am uh, I'm almost finished. We live in a time when religious consumerism is rampant. We approach involvement in Christian community like we approach involvement in everything else in life. I'll do it when and how I want it, and if everyone is not okay with that. They just won't get my business. I'll take my business elsewhere. I appeal to you today for your good. Do not approach your faith. Don't approach your involvement in the Christian community from a consumer mindset. Because if you do that, you will forever be satisfied with connecting and you'll never move into belonging. And for your good, you need to belong as we see it defined in Scripture. Christians are not customers of this church or any church. Christians, you, are a member of the body of Christ. You are a member of the family of God. You are not a customer. And so I appeal to you today to reject religious consumerism. Understand what it means to belong and commit to belonging as we see it defined in Scripture. If you do this, you're going to please God and you're going to aid your spiritual growth. Why don't you stand